a Podcast One production. The left and the right. Read an article about politics or listen to a report in this country and you'll hear those terms thrown around like confetti. Around the world and here in Australia, politics is becoming more and more polarising, but what impact does that really have on us? To tell us more about the left and right side of politics in Australia and what it means for our political system, a guest who really knows what he's on about, no, like really, really knows what he's on about. He's taught the subject of politics at Australian universities for over 40 years and did it so well, Australian National University in Canberra gave him the title Emeritus Professor. John Warhurst joins me now on Peacock Politics. John, first of all, emeritus sounds very, very impressive, but I've got no idea what it means. Can you fill us in on that one? <laughs> sure, sure, Adam. I tell my friends it's nothing to do with Emirates Airlines, so I'm not on a million-dollar contract. It means you're you're effectively retired from mainstream teaching, but you've been deemed by the university to... Uh, they want to keep you on the books, uh, in a sort of distinguished capacity to uh, as a mentor and uh, and uh, in in recognition of the service that you've given the university over a long period of time so uh, I was honored by the university to be called an emeritus professor and it means uh, I work out of the university still and uh, basically I'll be uh, attached to the university till the day I die you'd be like Einstein they'll carry you out of the the office from there <laughs> that's right they might throw me out the window or <laughs> Something like that. Now, John, uh, the left and right divide, I'm going to strip it right back. And can you just give us a, a brief summary about what the left side of politics and the right side of politics actually means and where does Australia sit in regards to it all? Sure. Um, yeah, left and right are terms that are, that are bandied around. They are used worldwide to describe how politics plays out. And historically, it related to attitudes towards the economy uh, in particular. So uh, the left is associated with socialism, with communism, with the role of government in organising the economy. Uh, I should have also said with trade unions who are seen as an essential part of the the left of of politics. And the right is seen more associated with belief in business, free enterprise, uh, unrestricted by government, emphasis on... uh, on individual choice and free choice is distinct from a more collective approach to politics on the left side. The left side of politics is often organised around uh, labour unions, around issues of, of socialism. The right side of politics, business usually plays a, a major role and belief in small government rather than big government, that would be another way to put it. Uh, the left is often said to be concerned with uh, high taxes because they want government to have the money to provide services to citizens. The right is associated with lower taxes and smaller government because they w- believe that business and individuals left alone is the best way to organise a, a good society. I suppose the left and the right are, are ways of approaching what's best for us all as a community, what's best for us as a society, and there's different ways of, of reaching those goals now, historically, that's always been about the economy, and it still is, and business and organised unions and issues of that sort, and it still is. But more and more, I think there are other issues. Um, the provision of social services, for instance, which is can be said to be associated with the economy because it's the one side, the left, believes in a larger role for government in providing social services. Uh, the right is more inclined to leave it to uh, business and the community 
and for government to get out of the way. But there are other issues, you know, the same-sex marriage issue, for instance, which has been a big one in uh, in Australian politics recently, or or issues like uh, euthanasia, um, divorce, abortion, those sorts of issues, also have become very important distinctions between the left and the right. The left is often called progressive, or it has a more a modern approach to those issues, so-called modern approach, whereas the right has a conservative approach, a more belief in tradition and traditional institutions and a traditional way of going about things. One more distinction is probably worth making, and that is that on the right, there's often a distinction made between liberals and conservatives. And conservatives, and we have those terms used in, in Australian politics, conservatives are, are more attached to traditional ways of, of doing things. They would be attached to uh, belief in the churches, in uh, the monarchy, in historical ways of doing things. Liberals, belief in the individual more and the right of the individual to run their own lives free of tradition. So you often hear in contemporary Australian politics a battle between conservatives and liberals within the Liberal Party, um, and the Liberal Party calls itself a broad church because it can incorporate both those two philosophical approaches, but it's an uneasy alliance because while they're both on the right, they uh, differ over their approach to tradition. In regards to this, it, it, it's just a maybe an assumption I'm making, but you mentioned there that the Liberal Party has differing views within itself and it seems to be splintering with the break-offs of, of certain political ideals within the Liberal Party on the right side of politics. And on the left side as well, there's there's differing views and that the Green Party is over there. So with how today is working with politics, is the left and the right as far apart and as loud as it's ever been? Or historically, have there been problems in this space as well? The left and right have always been at each other's throats. And uh, while they're distinctive aspects to what's going on in politics at the moment, I think sometimes the language and the, the way politics is conducted is pretty toxic at the moment. I think if you look back over Australian political history and, and certainly world political history, I don't think it, things are any more combative than they have been in the past. If you look back in Australian history to say... Uh, the Menzies years in the 1950s, which were dominated by the Cold War when uh, communism was a huge issue in the world and in allegations of the influence of Reds in uh, the Reds under the beds in Australian <laughs> politics. They were really, those leaders at that time and the, and the left and the right were uh, very much at each other's throats. And also at that time, the left was probably more committed to government ownership and and different ways of, of organising the economy than they are now. In some ways, the left has become modernised and is as much, they would say, as much committed to the market economy, which is what a lot of the political debate is about, as the conservative side of politics is. Also, if you look back to the 1970s, when the Whitlam government was in office, and I lived through that, and you could not say that the left and the right weren't uh, at daggers drawn one another at that, that stage, and you had a most controversial prime minister and uh, who was dismissed by the Governor-General, and the, the left and the right politics was uh, extremely uh, dramatic then. I think what has happened, uh, and perhaps I'll just, before going on, I'll say it, it may depend on whether you describe the left and the right as a battle between Labor and the coalition, 
or you throw in the Greens on the left side and uh, One Nation and Corey Bernardi's Australian Conservatives on the Conservative side, if you include those minor parties and independents in the battle between left and right, then you have got a, a much more extreme division between the two sides of politics. But when you come together and look at, say, Scott Morrison versus Bill Shorten or Labor versus Liberal, then I don't think the essential characteristics of that contest has changed over time. Now, if you look internationally, you might be more inclined to say, well, you know, the battle between Republicans and Democrats or President Trump and the Democrats is uh, much more out of control and much more intense than it has been in the past. And that's probably true in the world today or Brexit in the United Kingdom. Um, uh, but I don't think Brexit, for instance, internationally is so much a left and the right issue. It's just that it's an issue of British national identity, which is dividing people right across the political spectrum. So come back again to the central question, are the left and the right further apart than they've ever been? No, I don't think they are. I think there are particular characteristics of today. Some of the issues, you know, like same-sex marriage, the role of the churches in, in politics, those sorts of things, the security issue, the issue of terrorism and international security add a particular dimension to the battle between left and right. But it's always been a dividing characteristic. Two major Australian parties, whatever they've been called over the past 120 years of Australian federal politics, have always been intensely divided. And they've also been very well organised. A particular characteristic of the Australian Parliament is that you have very disciplined political parties. And it's that discipline which means that individual MPs very rarely jump ship or very rarely express independent views uh, divergent from that of their leaders means that the Australian Parliament has a particular characteristic. Have you done studies on, on this profile of Australian politics through ANU and your role there about where it is at the moment as opposed to years gone by and who identifies with what? Yeah, certainly. There are a number of studies. ANU, and I've been involved in some of them, has studied Australian elections since the 1960s, for instance, so that every election there's a major public opinion survey conducted by the ANU, which is reported on in, in books, and those surveys can be compared with similar surveys done by other political scientists uh, in other universities around the world. And uh, there is a stability to Australian politics, and would you believe it, a certain moderation to Australian politics. Uh, you wouldn't believe it if you sat in Parliament and listened to Question Time and the way the two <laughs> sides get stuck into one another. But there is a stability and a moderation to Australian politics, which means we are different to many other countries around the world. Coalition and Labor have ruled Australia effectively uh, since 1901, really, in alternation. And both of those parties are recognisably what they were when they were first created. The Liberals back in the 1940s, Labor back in the 1890s. Sure, they're different, uh, more modern, they have changed, but they stand for recognisably the same things. When you say there's a certain amount of moderation in Australian politics, is that with the electorate or is that with politicians and the parties they represent? Good question. I think probably both. I think the Australian character or Australian culture 
is a relatively laid-back culture. We don't have the violence which permeates politics in many other countries, by and large. You know, we haven't had political leaders um, assassinated or uh, mass violence as you see elsewhere, even when the Prime Minister was Whitlam was dismissed in 1975 by the Governor-General, people basically went about their business and there was an election uh, within a few months and uh, a lot of people weren't happy with what happened, but <laughs> they uh, still were committed to the system. So, Wasn't there a uh, comedian on the steps when he got... Um uh, when he got kicked out as well, it was Norman Gunston was out there asking questions. Yeah, no, that probably wouldn't happen yeah. in another country, would it? No, I think, and that's I think that's a good thing that there's a sort of a light heart. Well, they were really uh, emotional times, and I know from my own experience that uh, you know I was relatively young, but I can remember my parents and my in-laws being vocal about politics and my father actually went to a demonstration, a political demonstration <laughs> uh, to hear Malcolm Fraser. This was in Adelaide where I was when I was brought up. So people were certainly drawn in and they felt very strongly about what happened. But essentially, they were willing to laugh and cry at Norman Gunston and comedians trying to draw a lightheartedness out of it. They weren't caught onto the streets by the trade union leaders of the day. Bob Hawke was the leader of the trade union movement at the time. I mean, there was there were no mass civil disobedience or strikes. And I think the recent same-sex marriage debate and the uh, postal ballot, there are a lot of forecasts of very divisive and hurtful campaigning, and there was probably some of that. But I think we came through that pretty well. And our elections are more or less the same. A lot of dissatisfaction with our politicians, absolutely. And a lot of alienation and uh, from the system. But we work out our alienation by supporting minor parties. We split off and vote for the Greens, or we split off and vote for One Nation, or we support independence. We send a strong message. You know, climate change would be one message that we're sending at the moment through the independents who are standing in a number of Liberal-held seats, for instance. But we get out there and organise and uh, and we play a part rather than... Um, I mean, think of what's happened in France recently with the Yellow Vest movement, you know, civil, <laughs> more than civil disobedience, actually civil violence and uh, demonstrations of cars burnt and and uh, all of that sort of thing, or the uh, in Egypt or you name a country around the world, and there are plenty of them, where uh, politics is much more violent than it is in Australia. And I think having lived through, um, I happened to be in England at the time of Margaret Thatcher and the miners' strike, even there and in, I uh, haven't lived in the US for very long, but I think there's an edge to um, the politics of Trump and British politics that doesn't exist in Australia. I think we are a bit, uh, it's to our credit, I, I believe, and, and we are a bit laid back about our politics. Can you see, though, in the future with a lot of people paying attention, and it's a lot easier to pay attention these days given the advent of social media and 24-hour news channels from overseas, can you see us heading down a path such as that if the right and the left get a little more extreme and if it becomes toxic or extreme in the future that we, we go down that path or the framework in which Australian politics works won't allow that to happen? I think the framework holds us in pretty good stead, but there are developments in Australian politics and in Australian society which certainly are pushing us in that direction. We're much more international in our ideas 
and in our connections, uh, social media makes that possible. We're much well. We've always been a travelling society, I think, but we're always <laughs> no uh, option. We do <laughs> no option. Uh, tyranny of distance. We, we've really got to get out there, and and also aspects of immigration and the uh, international terrorism perhaps mean that um, there has been some violence and potential violence brought into Australian society. And if you marry that with extreme disaffection with the job that our political leaders are doing in solving the very hard problems that they have to face, yeah, I can see a, a time when we are a bit more, uh, we're, we're certainly more fragmented and, and I think that fragmentation might turn into more uh, civic violence and perhaps demands for change in the system. But so far that system has, has held up under some pretty great challenges. When I was first began to teach Australian politics, which uh, is actually in the early 1970s, it was a much more limited political system. You know, you talked about Labor and you talked about Liberals and the country party. You perhaps look back to uh, the split in the Labor Party in the 1950s. But What was that politics split? The Labor Party split in the 1950s. It's, it's ancient history now, but uh, it produced a party called the Democratic Labor Party, which was uh, it meant that Menzies was in office for um, 23, or the Liberal Party were in office for 23 years, Menzies for about 16 of those years. The Labor Party was in disarray. Uh, and disunity is death in Australian politics. It's an old saying. Uh, and that certainly applied to the Labor Party in the 1950s and 1960s. And it was only Gough Whitlam whose uh, desire to re-modernise the Labor Party, which brought Labor out of that era of the 1950s and 1960s. And one of the contrasts would be that it's the right side of politics that I think is in disarray uh, and arguing about its very existence and what it should be doing in politics rather than the left. That would be one of the big changes which I think has occurred in my time in living and writing about and teaching Australian politics. It was the left which was seen as the radical side of politics, the side that was splitting, the side that had communists and socialists and a whole range of others uh, arguing big questions about whether we should nationalise the banks or whether we should take over the economy. And yet now I think, if anything, some of the heat has gone out of those internal debates on the left and it's the right. It's, yeah. it's the right which contains Corey Bernardi and Fraser Anning and Pauline Hanson and uh, Bob Catter and uh, Bob Catter Clive and Palmer. Clive, Clive Palmer, Clive, 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 <laughs> pouring all his money into uh, disturbing my watching of the uh, tennis during uh, over, <laughs> over Christmas. Uh, you can't get away from the guy. But all of that, the National Party too. Uh, you mentioned uh, Bob Catter splitting and. Uh, you know, I think rural people are very uh, feel they're left out of the benefits of Australian society. I mean, the recent case of all the fish dying and the the Murray Darling Basin issue. I think farmers and uh, rural people are much more radicalised and divided about whether they're getting um, a fair go. So I think those segments of Australian uh, society are perhaps more radical than they've been for a long time and that's all happening on the right. Okay, so within the left and the right then, and you gave a historical reference to the fragmentation of the left years gone by and on the right might be happening now. Getting it back to the functionality 
of politics in Australia. The Senate is obviously a very important place because they all have to agree on matters, discuss them, debate them, and then pass laws or bills to get them through, hopefully, to make Australia, and us, the electorate, hope so, to make Australia a better place. But if that process gets slowed by arguments and vitriol over both sides and within each other and arguing about certain matters and it all slows down, does that damage the overall process of what these people are there for? Sure, certainly. The greatest damage, I think, is the way people behave in Parliament and the secondary damage is by their language, by their behaviour, by their you know throwing off at one another in an extreme way. I think that's the greatest damage and I think it's a shocking indictment on the working of our Parliament. I think a secondary issue which you raised, uh, I think it's only secondary, is the... Uh, the role of the Senate in controlling what a government in office can do and the increased role of independence in bargaining and negotiating and meaning that government can't get things into legislation and there's, it would seem, an inability to grapple constructively and positively with issues like um, energy policy would be one. I think, the, I think Australians are fed up with the inability of the political system, the parliamentary system, the major parties to uh, apply their minds constructively to um, an issue like energy and environment might be another one and you know climate change is a related issue. I'm less worried by the time it takes to get things through because I think sometimes it can be a good thing if things are allowed to take their time, a reasonable amount of time, than I am by the behaviour that, that goes on in Parliament. So I, I think... Generally speaking, minor parties and independents play a constructive role and generally speaking, the Senate plays a constructive role. If you want a a government which has almost complete power to do what it wants, then we should abolish the Senate and just have a House of Representatives. That would almost always, although not right now, it would almost always be a situation in which one side, the winning side, has the numbers and can get on and do what it wants. But I'd rather have a situation of what they call checks and balances, which can be the Senate, it could be the High Court, could be the power of increased power of independence, even in the House of Representatives. By and large, I think they make a positive contribution and should be allowed to continue. Having a a very noisy left side of politics and a very noisy right side of politics, is that healthy or dangerous for Australian politics? Noisy is okay, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Um, I don't mind people being very loud about what they believe in. And I think by and large, that's healthy. I think what is not healthy is refusal to see the other person's point of view, refusal to compromise and refusal to step back from that party, loud party conflict and think of what's best for the nation. Let's face it, all the talent is not on one side or the other in Australian politics. And I hope most people would agree with that whatever side they were on, left or right, I think we do a very bad job of using the the talent on both sides. It's partly the the noise, the, the lack of ability to compromise on both sides, the discipline which is enforced by both parties on their members so they can really speak their minds. All of that, I think, is very, very unhealthy. And I'd really long for a situation where some of that could be broken down and people could accept amendments to what they want to do, could accept in Parliament, could accept different ways of doing things. 
with a lot more grace than happens at the moment. So we just need to get on along a little better, which is always hard in especially modern times. Look, look, it, look, it is hard, and it happens. Yeah, it happens in uh, all spheres of of life. Having said that, Australians are laid back. You've only got to look at the politics of a sporting organisation or the politics of a business or <laughs> or a trade union or whatever. There's conflict and lack of compromise all through our system, in my view. We have our favourite political team, just as we have our favourite sporting teams, and it sometimes takes a lot to admit that there are good players on the other side, <laughs> the, other side <laughs> the other side have good ideas, uh, and... Uh, you know, Parliament's not like the Premiership, I suppose. Parliament should be where it's set up to represent us collectively. We should remember that at any election, even a landslide is 55% on one side and 45% on the other. So even a government which enters office thinking they're the bee's knees and that, that <laughs> everyone loves them is only supported by 55% of the electorate. They should be recognising that there's another 45% represented by the other side of politics who have good ideas, and this is the way the parliament was set up, especially the Senate. They were supposed to be a chamber of review and discussion and uh, inquiry, and we should be doing more of that. I mean, I always say to people who want to lobby politicians, don't just get in contact with them when you want something from them or when you want to slam them. Congratulate them over the things that yeah. they do do well. And we don't do that very well in Australia. We don't congratulate government on the things that they're doing well and we don't congratulate our local MP on the things that they are doing well too and we and we should uh, on our, both sides of politics. It's important to be nice but it's nice to be important. John Warhurst, I came into this thinking that uh, well, I wasn't on the edge of a cliff but I was, I was having a look over there where the cliff was in terms of the left and right divide of Australian politics thinking that we're heading into the abyss. You've maybe back off a little bit over the discussions. It's not as bad as maybe I thought it was going in. But thank you for all the background and information um, using your knowledge as the emeritus professor. I'm going to use that term. I'm going to try and give myself that term in years to come about something <laughs> in life. I'm the emeritus. You've got emer- to be much, be much <laughs> older, Adam, before you give that yourself that term. No, I'm going to call myself the emeritus lawnmower of my household um, going <laughs> right. forth. But John Warhurst, thank you very much for your time. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Adam. Peacock Politics was presented by me, Adam Peacock, and created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Liv Proud, sound production by Darcy Thompson, theme music composed by Matthew Dwyer, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. To hear more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search Peacock Politics on Apple Podcasts.